Welcome to our weekly podcast of Womankind Collective with me, Lou Hockings Thompson, and me, Jinty Sheeran. We will talk all things woman, so get the kettle on and settle in for a chat and probably a lot of laughter along the way. Our topic this week is diabetes and we talk to Daisy Hawkins Thompson, Lou's youngest daughter. Daisy was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was 10 years old and we discuss her diagnosis, how it has affected her life, her daily routine and how hormones may affect blood sugar levels. We also investigate how hormones or lack of them can affect our sugar levels in menopause and its connection with type 2 diabetes. In the book Collective, we discuss this month's book a little bit, How to Kill Your Family by Bella Mackey. And we announce our new book for the January Collective. So you've got time to ask Santa for your copy in, in uh, ready for January. So this month's foodie theme is Easy Christmas Treats. And I have something very Christmassy for you all to try at home with your cuppa. And Lou's going to try it today. Oh, you don't know I what it is yet. a as well, mm, so that's right. And um, also, I have been trialling a new WI all week, and I would like to invite Lou and you, the collective, to join me. <clears throat> it's quite simple, but it's, it's it's got pretty good results. So anyway, I think that's about it this week. How's your week been, Lou? Oh, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been okay. It's been good. Obviously, all the busy lead up to Christmas, so th- sometimes feeling a bit bogged down. Mm. With everything, but um, I've suffered terrible with my brain fog this week. Have you? Yeah, because obviously we did stir up Sunday, and that didn't work because we didn't read the instructions. We we didn't, did we? So we decided, or you decided, it was sod it Sunday. Sod it Sunday. So did that. That was actually yesterday because obviously we record on a Monday, and um, well, I, again, I, I made another fuck up because I didn't read all the instructions. So instead of having a three pint bowl. Yes. Mine was, a, I had a one and a half pint bowl. So I had oh. all this mixture. So I had to make two. Did Christmas. you have two bowls, luckily? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, two. I've got three bowls, actually. Of that. Oh, I don't know where I've accumulated them from. I think probably from mother-in-law's Christmas pudding. I think it years. probably is from mother-in-law's Christmas pudding. <laughs> so I've got two smaller ones now. So that really pissed me off that I hadn't read the instructions properly and thought my... You know, my my bowl yeah, would, would, would be big be, enough. Would be big enough, but it was not. So not only the first week did you not read the instructions. No, before, you didn't. Then carry didn't, on and read the instructions. I, my lesson was not <laughs> learnt at all. And then obviously we're going away, aren't we, for a night in yeah, May? I think. No, we're going before then in December. Oh. We're going to see. Oh, the, sorry, this one was going away twice. Yeah, yes, yes, we, we are. are in we're going to see the Human League. Yeah, aren't we, we are. in Cardiff. Forty years. Since they made the album Dare, I see, 1981. I think that's a lie. It is a lie. I they think it made was 20 up. years yeah. ago. Anyway, because obviously everything's left to me in the house, mm-hmm. I booked the tickets for the Human League yeah. and I booked our overnight stay in the hotel, same hotel you, yeah. you and your husband are staying in. So I sat there, I woke up with a start actually yesterday morning thinking, tickets, where are the, I haven't, did I download them? Did I print them off? You know, you have these, yeah, like, you panic. Mm. And then I thought hotel. So I actually sent you a picture, luckily, a screenshot of my yes. booking. And I'd kept the picture. So I managed to go into that website, find it, re-log in again, bloody new password, all that. <laughs> malarkey. Malarkey. Anyway, after about a quarter of an hour, got the tickets. Fine, so I've got the tickets. 
sat in the hot tub last evening with a glass of wine with the husband, looking at the lovely stars. It was a lovely clear night. I went, so you booked the hotel, didn't you? And he went, no, you did. And he said, oh, don't tell me you've done the usual and not done it. Hmm. You've you me, done the me, usual. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I made a quick exit from that hot tub. Um, and then spent the, the evening trying to find the hotel that I'd booked in. And actually then I found it. Yeah. Is that, so, yeah. So I had a real, like, oh, fuck a doodle do with yeah. my brain fog this oh, week. But I doubted myself. If somebody looks at us <clears throat> as if to say, are you sure? We go, oh. I don't know now. I was sure, but now you've questioned yeah, me. Exactly, and I, I was. I, I was. Know. I could say safely. I was a hundred percent sure. And as soon as he questioned me, I was like that. I've gone down to one percent. Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe I hadn't. Yeah. Maybe I didn't. And then he sits there going, "Well, you'll never get booked in now, will you?" <laughs> Did you slap him, Lou? <laughs> <laughs> Did you pull the plug from the hot tub? <laughs> hot tub on your way. Zero degrees with no water. I fucking should have done you should have done anyway oh i've chipped over i've chipped over the plug (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so a positive to take from that is please don't doubt yourself collective because you know 99.9 percent of the time you will be right you will be right just maybe put your hotel bookings in a little folder somewhere nicely that you can they're all sorted now good good for you sorry that was my week anyway you know what i'm gonna do now is go home and check my bookings (laughs) and check where the tickets at the hotel is Um, i've had it yeah i've had a good week um i would like to just mention lou um that this week um began on the 25th of november actually and it's for 16 days of action to end violence against women it's called the white ribbon day it's been going for a few years but it's not really massive not many not that many people know about so um it began like i say it began on the 25th of november it goes on till the 10th of december Um, And I just thought it was quite apt this week in the news. There's been a couple of awful murders, uh, killings of women. We can't say too much because they're ongoing Ongoing uh, investigations. investigations. So we're not zipped up. Um, But this is obviously uh, Bobby Ann McLeod is particularly... um, in our thoughts, Lou, because it's just down the road from us, yes, isn't it? Just she a went, few she, miles down the road. Just from a few us. miles down the road, and she went missing. Um, a man has been charged with her murder. Um, she went missing for a few days, and she was found, I think, on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but also there was Ava White, the twelve-year-old yes. stabbing uh, with teenagers. I mean, I it just it's beyond belief. It isn't really it? upset Liverpool, me. Yeah. Was, I mean, yeah, we've both awful. got girls, so I mean, I think it just rings home a bit more, doesn't it, it as well? It does. It really does, especially with everything that's been happening this year. And, yeah. You know, the awareness and everything and the Zoe Billingham report and nothing's changing and nothing's changing quick enough. No. Um, so this, I would really like to encourage all men, part of the white ribbon um, uh, thing they do is they is to wear a white ribbon and make the promise. Now, the promise is for anybody any gender but they really encourage all men because it's really men that are going to change this um so the promise is i promise never to commit excuse or remain silent about male violence against women now you can do this online as a hashtag okay, so you can and you that? can download if you go to the uh, white ribbon day 
um, website, you can actually sign up to do it. So it kind of commits you to do it. Yeah. And then there's different ways you can put a picture of yourself, you know, on Instagram or social media, if you'd like to do that, or you can just make a promise to yourself and yeah. to your, the women around you that you love. Um, so that'd be a really nice uh, I think thing be to an do amazing and, thing and try to do. and do as many as you can before the 10th of September. Um, the other thing I was thinking about this week today, Lou, I heard a thing. Um, I need to say it in my uh, in um, Flotsam and Jetsam. You, <laughs> Lou, have you heard of Holgol? That now isn't that something about hassle of going out? It is. I am. I, I tell you how I heard that. <laughs> how did you hear that? I Lou? was listening. I very rarely watch mainstream TVs. Mm. The one show. One, so yes, that, ah. that, yeah, so a, 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 like a BBC early evening program, isn't it? It is. And they talked about oh, they talked about hogos. <laughs> That's my pencil flying on the floor there, and I was tapping it. Hogos, and I was like, what the hell's that? I know yeah. about a FOMO. Yes, FOMO is fear, fear of missing yeah. out. But I have a lot of hogo. I can't be doing with the hogos. That's what I was going to ask you. I did so the hassle of yeah, the hassle of going out is a new thing after COVID. Yeah, and uh, do you know it is a hassle. Um, uh, even on Friday night, I mean, I was worn out from work. We had this Christmas do to go to, and I knew it would be lovely. And there was lots of people there that I knew I'd I'd know, I hadn't seen for a while. But do you know what? I got in, and I and I said to Steve. I'm absolutely exhausted. Also, I didn't want the hassle then of coming in from a full day's work, getting Having ready, a shower, putting your makeup on, on, trying to sort my hair out. I didn't want any of that. Did you say you're Steve Hogo? Hogo. I should go. <laughs> Hogo, oh, dear. I'm calling out Hogo. <laughs> I'm calling it out. I'm calling it out. I'm, I'm Hogo. So he went and I stayed So home. many Hogos per year. You're allowed so many Hogos. No, because that would worry me. Yeah. Because I, I, I'd run out near Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you'd have used them all up. <laughs> you used them all up, all my hogos. And it's cold. It was, it was cold. really cold. And that was the day before we had a real bad storm in, oh, in the UK, didn't we? Did and you I, enjoy it, though, once you're out? I didn't go. Oh, you didn't go? You, I didn't you go, stuck no. I stuck, my guns were stuck. I stayed in, doing, did a bit of crochet and watched a film. Yeah, and you Lovely. felt all the better for it. Lou. Lit the candles, heating on. Love it. Love yeah. it because there's also Jomo. What the hell's Jomo? Jomo is joy of missing out. So I had joy. So that I had you, ho, you, ho, Hogo yeah. and Jomo. Hogo and Jomo. And I weren't worried about FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> Hogo, Jomo, don't worry about FOMO. FOMO. <laughs> there you go. That's our advice. Wow. Who needs self help guides, Lou, when you've and got And who us? needs teenagers to give you all these. Yes. What are they called? Yes. Not abbreviations, you know, I'd I, call them. I've, I haven't got dyslexia. Um, my brother has, but I don't know what that's got to do with it. Sorry, Neil. Um, <laughs> but um, I can't get my head around this. Do you know one of my pet hates, you're going to do it to me all the time now, is when I get a, a text and somebody's written in that... I don't oh. know them. I have got no intention to ever want to know them. Apart from this Hogo, I quite like that. But even um, Great British Bake Off, when people write... G-B-B-B-O. I'm like that. What the fuck does that mean? Or I'm a celebrity, get me out of it. And they've written, I am... See, do you know what my I, my, my pet hates? And my, I'm going to say it. My sister and my sister-in-law both do it. And it drives me nuts. When you're they're texting... And I see you later, L eight R. Oh yeah, I don't like and that either. Y- and there's there's no and it's you are like you. It's no quicker. What, what? Do you know what? I feel like I'm deciphering something yeah. from ble- ble- what's it called? What was the P 
place called in the war? Oh, Bletch- Bletchley Park? Yes, I feel like I'm in Bletchley Park <laughs> try, trying to work out these bloody texts from oh, these I'd people. T- they'd even have trouble with this. Yes, do you know what? Use, use the English language. And I tell you what... <clears throat> makes it even worse when you if you if you ever try and think oh I'm going to write like that because it'd be much quicker. No, my phone doesn't like it. My, it just mine doesn't to... because it, I think we're used to doing grammatically correct yes, English. It, it doesn't like it and it goes and spells something completely different and you send off a text which does not make sense. No. Oh, we've had some great comments again this week, gents, haven't we? We have, we have, Lou. So the first one from Candice, she told us this week's, uh, this was such a good episode. So this is about the long COVID episode Mm. last week. Having listened to Lynn and her daughter on the podcast, you did about autism, which I knew so little about and what I did know was completely wrong. Um, It was so interesting to learn so much. Likewise with this one, Lynn articulated everything so well around COVID and the menopause. One thing she said, which really resonated with me was when she said she, oh, this comes back to your thing earlier on, Lou, said she had doubted her capabilities in all areas of her life, mum and work. I am guessing so many of us have these thoughts. Again, doubt, Doubt. questioning ourselves comes into it. And our gorgeous Eleanor also said, this was a phenomenal episode. I learned so much that I need to listen to it again. And she adds, I might have a WI for you both to try soon. Oh, that nearly killed me, that last You'll one she said. you have to start getting fit, Lou, Oh, I'm going to have to limber up. <coughs> and talking of WIs, the relaunch company on Instagram commented, this kindness is totally true. Kindness goes a long way. Yes, it surely does. And our baby club, Bichester, on... Bichester, did you say? <coughs> Bichester. Bichester, sorry. Um, on Instagram, so. <clears throat> also said she loved our kindness suggestions and says we all need a little more kindness. We certainly do. And lovely Wendy told us about her act of kindness on a holiday. I love this. She says, my biggest act of kindness was a few years ago. We had booked a hotel room with a balcony on the Amalfi Coast. Oh my God, that's a dream, Mm. isn't it? As it was our anniversary, there was a very distressed elderly couple who had booked an apartment but couldn't manage the steps up to it. As it was the festival week, there was no other accommodation in the resort. So we gave up our balcony and view and swapped. They were able to view the fireworks from the balcony. I'm so glad we did it. It turned out it was their last holiday as we kept in touch. And she died 18 months later. Oh, that's made me really sad. I know. What a lovely thing to do, wasn't it? Oh, Wendy, you're a superstar. Well done, Wendy. And lastly, on Instagram, Hannah commented, excuse me, a little froggy there. Oh, my God, please do the gorilla stickering. Genius idea. This was the gorilla stickering we were think we're going to do Frank Cooper. Frank Cooper's because they're really <sighs> yeah. made by Sarah, wasn't it? And Nick said she's up for that too. So, so we need to do a recce. We need to do a recce, check out where the cameras are. And we are actually saying this on air, so... Yeah, do you think Frank I think Cooper... they might know who it is. Do you think Frank Cooper's got all the... All the um... All the cameras like lined up on yes. his on his marmalade, just in case. So bet the bugger's hiding now, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, He'll be yeah. going into hiding. <laughs> He'll be hiding, hiding down in the ground. I think right now. <laughs> So, book collective, Lou, um, another confession, I haven't had, to, I just haven't had time. Oh, we were just saying it's that time of year, it isn't is. it? It is, it is um, I have actually 
finished it all because I, I got to the stage where I couldn't put it down and it's brilliant there's a big twist at the end which you absolutely love I can't wait so we're um, going to finish that off for anyone's reading along with us we're going to go through it all and, and review talk it about next week, it properly yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so should we talk about our new book yes James? do you want to announce our, so we're going to tell you our new book for January because throughout December we are not going to read a book, but we're going to review some we're old ones for Christmas. We're too busy. And we're going to go through some that you might like to order for yourself or others, aren't yeah. we? <clears throat> so the new book is The Female Lead. It's volume two. There was a volume one. Mm -hmm. And it's called We Rise by Lifting Others by Edwina Dunn. And there's some great photographs by Sane Seven. It, it's a Sane Seven? Sane, I'd Sane, say. Yeah. Um, but it's, a, it's like a, looking at it, it's like a big coffee table it book, is. isn't it? And, and it's beautiful. It, it is an, an expensive one. It's a £25-pounder. Yeah, put it on your Christmas so list. put it on your Christmas list. But there are um, interviews with some amazing, amazing women. We've got, well... Jodie Whittaker's in there, Jodie Whittaker, we've got Tova Lee, we've got Cheryl Crow. Not Cole, Crow. <coughs> Gabby Logan, I can Gina see. Gina Miller, yeah. Um, Judy Murray. Judy Murray. Tarana Burke. Tarana Burke, fantastic. Yeah. So it's women from all sort of different backgrounds. They're, they're sort of, some of them are well known, some of them aren't so well yeah. known, but they've all. Katie Piper. And there's some amazing quotes in here. And um, the, the quote that opens the book is We rise by lifting others, is at the heart of what we are doing here. We don't lose a single thing by speaking up for another woman or girl. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. So each so each, each little interview, it, it talks... It smells about, nice, doesn't it? It smells, oh, it smells better than a new handbag. Oh, doesn't it? Yeah. So each interview is, is, a, is a beautiful picture of these women looking their absolute finest and really rising and glowing. There's a, their favourite quote, um, a little bit about them, and then I think the... There's an object that they have at the end of each interview. They have to choose an object, and the object that means the most to them. And Jodie Whittaker's, because I started looking at it last night. Oh, I cried at Jodie Whittaker's. So it's a beautiful book. Oh. So there we go. That's that's for the January one. Thanks for that little review, Lou. I can't wait. I want to. I want to go and look at mine now and find out well, what Jodie Whittaker's thing is. To kill your I'm good. First. I am. God, yeah. get on with it, Jen. Um, <laughs> so foodie collective, yes. Lou. Um, so we we done stir it up November and we finished eventually. Popped that right Sunday. up, we didn't we? it up, but we've both now got well. We're beautiful at the moment. Beautiful I've got Christmas. two. You've got two Christmas foods. <laughs> I've got mine. We we're going to put some photos on Instagram this week of those, and um, we steamed them for five hours, don't you? Oh my kitchen! The walls were running. Yeah, they were. It smelled nice, didn't they? Didn't it? Yeah, that lovely Christmassy smell. Um, so we've done that, and hopefully they'll be all right, still be all right for Christmas. But our theme for December is easy Christmas treats. Yes. So I have cooked obviously vegan versions, but I have cooked some gingerbread. Oh. And I'm going to put the recipe on the on Instagram and on the show notes. And it's rather good, though I say it myself. Now, they're not your Christmassy gingerbread men. They are little yoga people. Oh, look um, at these. So which would you like? You can have a warrior posture or you can have a downward dog person. I'm going to go warrior. You go warrior. Go warrior. Now, if you try that, Lou, and let me know what you think. Hang on, I'm going for the warrior. An ear. Is that an ear? No. Uh, that's an arm. <laughs> Where did you do you know that? It's like... Right, we should have had a photo of this before I attacked we it. We should have had a photo. I can't find my phone at the moment. No, it's but, down here. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take some photos when I get back. Mm, mm. Good, isn't it? 
I say it myself. Very good. So in here, I haven't actually written the recipe down, um, but you have, again, to make the mm. egg, I've got like a chia egg. Like So instead of the egg, I'm, I mixed uh, chia seeds, a tablespoon of chia seeds with three tablespoonfuls of water, and you just leave that for five minutes, and ah. it makes this goopy kind of okay. um, gloopy consistency. There's that as obviously ground ginger in mm, there. Real ginger. I always use unrefined. There's dark muscovado sugar, but I always use unrefined sugar. If I you love can, dark Billington's. Sugar. I love dark sugar. Mm. Uh, there's a little <clears> bit of flour. <throat> um, you could probably make a gluten-free version with gluten-free flour. Um, a little bit of cinnamon, and I'm yes, going to talk about cinnamon. cinnamon and diabetes in a minute. Okay. So it's very, very good. Probably the sugar in here is not great for diabetes, but the cinnamon would be. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to put that recipe, if you want to make that for the kids or for yourself, um, then do. It's good, isn't it, Lou? I'm still eating. It's quite a soft... Fireball. Uh, mm. mm. You wouldn't hang them off the tree because they'd fall apart. Mm. Mm. Slight moistness in there. There is a slight moistness. Mm. You could probably dunk them in a cup of tea, but not for very long. No, in, in and out. Mm. Mm. Lovely, thank my, you so my much. My downward Jess. dog person now has got no legs. Yeah, we've just got an upper body. <laughs> downward dog. Mine's lost its ears that weren't ears anyway. It's <laughs> an arm. It's charming, isn't it? Mm. Anyway, so we'll put all that on. It was Diabetes Month this November, and our guest this week is Daisy. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in March 2008 when she was 10 years old. So Daisy chats with us today about her diagnosis, and Lou tells us what it was like for her as from a parent's perspective. Around 8% of the UK population have type 1 diabetes. It is caused when the body's own immune system destroys islet cells in the pancreas. Once these are destroyed, the pancreas stops producing insulin, a hormone needed to allow glucose into the body to produce energy. Type 1 diabetes cannot be reversed. It is a lifelong condition that affects every aspect of your life. So type two, I think, can be reversed. It can. It? Okay. It can. Hi, Daisy. Hey. Hello, Daisy. <laughs> when you were diagnosed, what were your symptoms? Can you remember your symptoms? So what they, you know, written down some notes and stuff, what they kind of advise parents to look for and people to look for, they call it the 40s. So it's toilet, thirsty, tired and thinner. So diabetes, when it's not treated, um, undiagnosed, you, again, you go to the toilet a lot. You just, I was peeing constantly. And I was, that's because I was drinking a lot of water. I was about, you know, when you feel sick from drinking so much water, I was making myself like that because my body didn't have the insulin it needed. And it was going into something they call um, ketoacid, I can't speak, ketoacidosis um, or DKA. And that's when your body is kind of going into panic mode. I've got enough, it's got not any insulin, nothing's breaking down the food that you're eating. Um, nothing's, you know, your body's not being controlled um, at the normal level it is. So it's just kind of, your body's panicking. Everything's, you know, <laughs> everything's going wrong. So constantly thirsty. I remember that as well. I was super tired. I'm always tired. I think it's just a, <clears throat> something obviously that happens when you have you know kind of an illness a long long-term illness but I was in incredibly tired I couldn't walk up a set of stairs I think also I was thinner I lost a, a lot of weight um 
because your body and when you're undiagnosed is um, in ketoacidosis, it's breaking down um, your fat stores. Because again, panic mode, trying to find energy and, you know, sugar from inside your fat stores. What, what symptoms did you notice? The same? Was it yeah, the losing weight? The, the, the thirsty. But it, it was like joining the dots, isn't it? And as a parent, mm -hmm. it was over. It was over that a two-week period when it was getting worse quite rapidly. Mm. So it was the thirst, um, and it was the absolute. Within two weeks, Daisy'd lost so much weight, like, and um, you know, cheekbones were sticking quite out. Quite sudden. It was quite, quite sudden. sudden. It was over. It was over an Easter weekend that it got really, really bad. I think it was about Easter Sunday and I had to actually carry you up the stairs because you couldn't get up the stairs to bed. So I knew I was going to take you to the doctors the next day, but I didn't know what I was, what we were going to go for. Yeah. So, and then you, so mum took you to the doctors. Was the diagnosis quite swift with all those symptoms? Yeah. 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 I think I was a, for me, I was quite a cut and dry case of diabetes and because the symptoms were so, you know, pronounced you know, yeah we were di you were diagnosed in the doctor's surgery and we were told um to go to the hospital and I said oh should I take her after school <laughs> still like well she'll be okay she'll she'll be she? School. she can't walk upstairs but yeah, she's got to be you know, like parents <laughs> head at the time and it was like no they're going to be waiting for you so and the pediatric team were there weren't they and then that was that was it for the week really but they were great when yeah. we were in really and, and and so what happened what what happened then i mean obviously then there's a lot of equipment is there a lot of stuff it's and quite a life changing diagnosis days isn't it yeah, no again i was quite young so i don't think it was it took me it took me a while to kind of hit me and that's when i've had my own kind of issues with diabetes and you know coming to terms with an illness in my everyone has a hard time when you're when you're a teenager but i think at that time it was me coming to terms with diabetes and for me that was it was quite difficult obviously you know you're you're growing up you don't you know don't want to listen to your mum you don't want to do all that kind of stuff then also having a, a hidden disability that's quite you know has to be controlled within like a microscopic levels it's um that's a whole other fun thing into the mix really but yeah do you think you kind of almost had a bit of a rebellion against it we was it that kind of I don't want it so yeah, for me it was yeah definitely I I don't want it and it wasn't I wasn't you know ashamed to be you know diabetic I wouldn't mind telling people I know some people personally have dealt with that kind of issue of telling people that they're diabetic and kind of hiding it a lot especially when you're a teenager you know you don't want to be seen as different I never I never minded the aspect of it personally um, for me it's just I I didn't want it I didn't want to have to you know you know be controlled in my life so from day to day what mm -hmm. what does that what did that mean for you at that at that point. So at that point, and I'll, I'll go from first stage of diagnosis, you know, when you're diagnosed, um, controlling your diabetes is about kind of just taking regular insulin. So your blood sugar has to be between um, between four and um, eight millimoles. So that's how much sugar is in your blood. So that's the normal level that a normal, normal human beings like you guys, <laughs> very jealous. Um, your body naturally regulates it to be that amount. And that's how normal, normal human persons functions um so when you're you know first diagnosed it's just about getting your levels down and kind of learning all this new information then I'd say probably in my teenage stage of life it was about not really wanting to do that and kind of rebelling against everything 
that I knew because again, it was so limiting and it just felt so unfair. I think that was the point in my mind, like this is very unfair. So I kind of stopped doing anything kind of to do with that and was only doing maybe one or two insulin injections a day just because I wasn't doing, you know, didn't, didn't want to have it. And then now at this stage of my life now, it's about relearning all those things I kind of learned back when I was 11 years old and trying to kind of keep my, you know, diabetes in that level of, you know, doing regular insulin injections, kind of doing insulin injections for when I eat food. So it stays within that kind of perfect range. Can you go through your, your sort of daily routine? So like from when you wake up, for me personally, a lot of, um, even before I wake up, sometimes I'll be woken up early in the nighttime because I have things called um, a hypoglycemic episode. And so that's when your blood sugar is um, too low. So you've, you know, in the natural process of things, it kind of it equates to a feeling of, you know, when you're, say for you guys, when you've not eaten all day and you get a bit shaky and you feel a bit, oh, I haven't eaten enough today. It's kind of like that feeling, but it's very intense. You kind of get hot sweats. And that usually happens in the nighttime. So it's even before the day's even started. I'm already up already just because of, you know, say a low, a lower blood sugar, or if it's hyperglycemic, obviously hyper is more. So that's um, having too much sugar in your body. You can wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, it can, your blood sugar can go up for no reason. And that would make you again, tired and make you wake up, make you, you know, you feel sick. So again, before before 8 a.m i'm already doing a lot you know just kind of in the background but i'll say when i from i officially wake up um i'm very lucky and blessed to have um or to be able to have a dexcom monitor so a dexcom monitor just sits under your skin can't really see it um so that's constantly measuring my blood sugar so from that obviously it's linked straight to my phone so i'll check my phone um see what my blood sugar is if you know my blood sugar's fine, then, you know, carry on going. If I need to do something, I'll kind of, you know, have to either do some insulin or go and eat something again. And then I'll do my long acting insulin. So even not just for meals in the, in the background all day, your natural human normal person bodies are producing little bits of insulin all the time, just, just to regulate you. So that's, I have to kind of, you know, do I do a fake one of that? Um, and first thing in the morning, I take that insulin injection. And then throughout the day, it's just constantly checking my, um, my monitor, my blood sugar throughout the day before I eat. If I'm feeling just a bit funny, like, you know, something feels not right, I'll have to check my phone again, either give myself insulin or give, you know, give me myself something to eat. When it comes to meals, I have to um, count carbohydrates. And I'm terrible at maths. So my calculator, I think, is my most used app on my phone because <laughs> I can't do simple maths. Um, so a lot of that is counting the carbohydrates and being quite regulated with what you eat. So, you know, say I work, I work in an office now, which is quite, you know, everyone's pretty nice and nice environment around, around diabetes there. But you say if someone bought some cake into the office, it'd have to be, you know, consider, do I want to eat that and do some insulin or can I just not be bothered and I won't. So a lot of times, you know, I've said, oh no, I won't, you know, have another biscuit or whatever, because you know, I'm going to have to do another insulin injection. And the insulin, the needles are quite small. They're only six millimeters. But again, if you're constantly, you know, giving yourself injections, it can, can get quite sore. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much my day, just maths and counting and being quite controlled with what's going on. And in the background, you just, there's an always, a, always a thought about it. There's never a blank moment in my mind. I'm 
constantly thinking about it, it can be it's, it's physically and mentally very exhausting at the end of the day yeah it must be sorry Lou, no, I was just going to say because you've got the Dexcom which I know we're going to talk about but if you weren't didn't have that you'd be finger pricking wouldn't you you'd yes be, so it's like um you'd get really sore fingers from that didn't oh. you yes so it's like a small I they do them they do them for other tests um but yeah small finger prick it's like a small little needle that went into your finger and you'd have to kind of squeeze it out into like a testing strip so like a small little bit of blood mm. onto that so again yeah that's a lot of um yeah, again, really sore, really sore hands, really. It's yeah. even more intrusive, isn't it? It's much more intrusive mm. than, than the mm. little, is it Dexcam? Dexcom. Dexcom, yeah. Dexcam. You don't want to see. You, don't, <laughs> you wouldn't see very much. <laughs> inside. <laughs> and so are you very aware nowadays of, of what you eat um, and what you can't yes. eat? So that obviously comes into it every single day. And is it yeah, mainly so sugary, sugary things? And again, it's not for me, it's uh, finding out what, not even not what's sugary, like say if it's going to be a um, a slow acting carbohydrate, everyone is kind of you know, into diets and diet, you know, diets, they knows about like slow acting and fast release carbohydrates. Um, a lot of my food now is trying to steer away from like the like um, slow acting mm. um, carbohydrates because that will kind of, I'll say I'll eat a meal, say loads of potatoes, which is my favorite food, which makes me so sad. <laughs> but um, again, potatoes kind of have an effect way after you know kind of the insulin has left my body so when I do an insulin injection that insulin is um only you know is used up within you know three to four hours so even after I said eat potatoes or you know more complex carbohydrates they kind of they rear their head a little bit you know in another another sense and I know a lot of diabetics not me personally and not of diabetics try like do no carb diets um so eating a low amount of carbohydrates and they find their control is a lot better but I think again it's a it's a, it's a personal issue it's about what you want to what you want to do and everyone's body is different everyone's body reacts different ways say between me as being diabetic and if you had another diabetic on it'd be completely different between two people so I think that's you know it's all about you know knowing finding out what's best for yourself and you know I'm at that personal stage, a bit of annoying stage in my life or the personal stage of discovery where I'm trying to work out what, what's good for me, what's not good for me, what, you know, yeah. what's going to go well, what's not, you know. I think as a young person as well, that makes mm. all the difference, doesn't mm. it? Because you haven't quite yeah. found out about all that. And then drink, how about alcohol? Alcohol must, because that's sugar. huge sugar mm. um, content. So with um, alcohol, is a very interesting one, actually. For me, Alcohol, say if I was drinking, you know, even, um, you know, like beer, for example, say, obviously there's a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar in the beer. <clears throat> but once um, once the kind of sugar is worn off from the beer, because of the alcohol, I don't know the science exactly behind it, because of the, al the alcohol content in it, um, it breaks down um, more like sugar in your body. So then you'll end up having like a, very, like a lower blood, sh blood sugar afterwards. So say I was, you know, I was going to go for a few drinks. I'd have to kind of prepare for that. I, so <clears throat> I can't, you know, just be spontaneous and, you know, oh, let's go on a night out tonight. I have to think about it, prepare, you know, I'll do less insulin throughout the day, do a less insulin, you know, in the morning for my long acting insulin. It's um, so it's a it's a full on army operation, basically, to try and drink alcohol when you're diabetic. But if, they, yeah, if there's preparation, you, have, you you can do it, but. Yeah, 
it's amazing what we take for granted, isn't it? it? Is. What we just think, what just our bodies do. It's not till they don't work. Mm. Realize mm. what yeah. what is going on in in the background. Yeah. And yeah. just to put into perspective, the the insulin that Daisy takes, um, just half a dose of her long acting would kill us. Really? Because yeah, oh our bodies gosh. don't need it. So for Daisy, that's that's you know it it, it needs it. So that. And Luna's joining the in. The dog's <laughs> She's having a thing today as well. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to tell us about, so everyone can understand about a hypo in a bit more depth and a hyper? And, and have you been affected by both? Of course. I think any <clears throat> diabetic can say, you know, we'll never have had a low blood sugar, never have had a high blood sugar. It's something, again, because it's, I think the thing that adds makes it so much more difficult is you're trying to stay within the perfect range. You're not trying to, say, I just need to do loads of insulin and then I'll be fine. It's not, oh, I need to do no insulin and then you know, eat more sugar and then I'll be fine. It's being within certain numbers, which again, it makes it so much more difficult. If I was just doing loads of insulin, I'd be absolutely fine. I'd be so good, but <laughs> um, so a low blood sugar is when your blood sugar goes below four millimoles of sugar. I get really sweaty. So <laughs> when anyone sees me looking pale and sweaty in a corner, they know something's up. Um, that's usually what happens and I'm quite shaky as well, very confused. Um, um, for a hyperglycemia is anything above, from when I was diagnosed, they said anything really above 12. And from that, you will be um, feeling, I feel quite sick. Again, I have a lot of um, acid reflux issues, which also you know kind of links up with the diabetes as well. Um, but it makes me feel quite sick when I have high blood sugar, very drowsy, very tired, and again, really thirsty. So when you have a hyperglycemia, it's um, leading on the way to having ketoacidosis. And obviously that, you know, when you're first diagnosed and, you know, where, how people get sick and everything is usually through the hyperglycemias. Um, <clears throat> so again, you're thirsty again, you're tired, very lethargic again. That's when your body can start shutting down. I as see. well when you're hyper that's so, when, and with the hypo as well when you drop too low that can also have fatal consequences can't it daisy yes from well, personal experience yeah. um <laughs> i definitely know that um again there was a time last two years ago 2019 and all the years kind of meld into one with um <laughs> with covid and lockdowns um i had a really bad low blood sugar it was after I had a few months after I'd already been in um, intensive care here in Bristol for um, I had pneumonia and sepsis, which is again great fun. But from that, obviously, you know, sepsis throws your body out so much. I had a really bad low blood sugar, which I, my body couldn't register that I was having a low blood sugar. So the symptoms, I wasn't, you know, sweating for once, thank God. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sweaty, I wasn't shaking, I wasn't, you know, as confused because my body. You know, from previous, you know, the sepsis, the previous illness, my body couldn't register those symptoms because it was still recovering itself. So I had a really bad low blood sugar. I went into something they call like a diabetic coma. So it can happen, you know, if you've got higher blood sugar or lower blood sugar. Um, went to the diabetic coma. Obviously, don't really remember too much. Um, I had some short-term um, brain injury from it as well because my, I you know, my body was just kind of again, panic stations, what's going on? What are we doing here? Um, so yeah, so my diabetic came for about 72 hours, um, which 
is quite a long time, really. A lot of time there can be, you know, fatalities anywhere from between five hours. So, so you were on your own days when you had yes, so 72 was good going, good going time to be in a coma for. Um, yeah, so it's, um, I was, I, I was living in a house, but I didn't really know my housemates too well. They, a few of them were away on holiday. Luckily, um, reason I got found in my diabetic coma was one of my housemates actually saw me the day before walking to the bathroom or two days before. And I looked a bit, I looked very spaced out. I didn't, you know, I wasn't really speaking. So he thought, oh, I'll just check on her, bring her a cup of tea, you know, make sure she's okay before, because he was about to go away on holiday as well. You know, I'll make sure I'll check on you to make sure she's okay. I was not okay. <laughs> I was, um, I was, you know, in a diabetic coma, diabetic seizure. Well, they call it, I wasn't fitting, but they call it a diabetic seizure in the sense of your brain's having a seizure. Mm. Um, well, thank you. Yes. So then he called the ambulance, and uh, yes, I remember. I remember them sticking the needle in my skin. So what they do when you're in a that state of a low blood sugar, and you can't, you know, you're not physically able to swallow or eat any sugar, which I normally would do. So day to day, having a low blood sugar, they have to inject. Um, loads of sugar I always call it but it's not it's like a chemical and with it's sugar yeah. elements in it um and they inject that into you and I they always do it in like your leg or your butt and I remember them I still remember the pain in my leg so it was quite an instantaneous kind of my body had the sugar and was instantly like I was a bit conscious from it so um yeah and cognitively then that was quite hard for you getting over that didn't it that was months and months of really rehabilitating yeah. yourself I was super tired from the brain injury. I was, again, tired from previous illness, tired of, you know, trying to work out how to do diabetes and have a brain injury at the same time. I was also working. Obviously, I've got bills to pay. I had to work. Um, so I was sleeping. I'm ne never a great sleeper, but at that time, I was sleeping for around, like, 12 hours a night, you know, having naps throughout the day. I was just, I think my body was so weak from everything you know mentally and physically it took a huge toll on me um and I think I've always kind of viewed myself as someone kind of quite intelligent but you know if I say so myself you know I, I, I like being a smart person I like learning things and I think at that point it was quite difficult to not be able to do that and I didn't know what my name was when I woke up didn't know you know had to re learn how to read a clock again um so there's a lot of I had a stutter as well, which was horrible. I <laughs> had to learn how to kind of get rid of all those things, you know, remember the year, you know, work out how to read a clock, all those kind of things. Again, it, all alongside, you know, still trying to work out how to, you know, be controlled with diabetes. So, yeah. Yeah, because at the time, I remember when we went to see you in hospital, you couldn't actually work out how to hold a door handle. Yes, yeah, it. yeah. Uh, and Daisy's obviously vegan. And um, when the hospital trolley was coming round, she was having nice big meaty roast dinners. And I asked them. And, and we were like, <laughs> and that's what she was choosing. So we were like, okay, maybe she's not vegan anymore. But, it was like, but she couldn't remember. A few days later, she, she did. Remember. She I, had, I, ate, I remember I asked, I asked dad for a BLT. I really want to eat a BLT. And we were like, that BLT. anything. Get her a BLT, quick. It's <laughs> the last time I've eaten meat since, so. Yeah, so it did, did affect so hypers and hypos. Well, it can be fatal, can't they? It is, you know, you when you were just so yes. blessed and somebody looking after you that um, 
how did how did that make you feel after Daisy? Did you did you think right? Oh, hang on, I'm not I'm I'm not. Was that kind of more of an accident, or did you think, hang on a minute, I'm not looking after myself properly? Did it change think, anything? Yeah, it definitely was. I'm not looking after myself properly. I think for me, it was again about knowing my limits was taking life slow. I think again, you know, I'm gonna be young and wild and go out and party and drink a lot. And I used to do that a lot. I used to go out and party and drink a lot. But kind of that happening kind of made me take a step back and go, I can do those things still, but in, in moderation, not all the time. You've got to kind of take it slower mm. than other people. And that may make you different to other people, you know, your age, but it's something that you have to do for, for your health, else it's going to happen again. Yeah. Can I just take you back a little bit, Days, to, if you don't mind me asking, the um, pneumonia and the sepsis, was that mm. anything to do with the diabetes or not so, completely separate <laughs> alongside having diabetes which again it's this whole handful in itself you also because it is um because it's it, it's an illness that affects your whole immune system and autoimmune disease um you have a whole other wide variety of things that can happen because of that i'm more at risk and more likely to be celiac um i mean, again there's also lots of consequences of not having controlled blood sugars um, but just on the basis, more at risk of um, being celiac, the risk of infection, say when I am, um, even when I've had my ears pierced and um, it took ages for my ears to heal from having an ear piercing. And like when I had a tattoo, it took ages for that to heal because my body just can't fight infections like a normal person. Um, I've, you know, the pneumonia actually came about a result of, of a UTI. So obviously if everyone gets UTIs, you just, but the UTI turned into a, um, turned into a bladder infection, that turned into a kidney infection. The um, kidney infection, you know, started poisoning my blood and that's when the sepsis came in and then the sepsis reached my lungs. And that's when um, there was talks of being ventilated, but I made quite a good recovery from that. So I didn't have to be ventilated and kind of put over, which is super nice. So I was quite very glad of that. Um, but yeah, it just kind of shows how quickly your body can, you know, just from the small thing like a UTI I can be in intensive care within a matter of I think it was five days really so it was your last year at uni so you were studying hard you were sort of mm -hmm. seeing friends you were working there was so much going on in your life wasn't there and I think mm -hmm. maybe running a little bit high on the blood sugar so that it just it just one one catalyst wasn't it and it just went into everything really didn't it Dave? Yeah. And especially in the age of um, or the old coronavirus, um, a lot of um, reports, it's something around almost a, a half, a quarter of deaths in UK hospitals are directly related to people with type 1 diabetes, not even type 2 diabetes. So again, it shows how quickly your body can, you know, not do well with the infections and stuff. Yeah. How do hormones affect your blood sugars? Do you find, is it an easy journey for you or is it a little bit more difficult? So for me, it's, um, I'm in a new stage of discovery. I'm still learning myself about, again, about my body. I'm a young woman. Um, but again, with diabetes and hormones, I've, um, there's certain things that are talked about. It's not something that's talked about on the NHS or provided by kind of, you know, doctors, but I'm not being, you know, I'm not doing crazy theories or anything. Um, insulin is a hormone. So again, it, it's adding to your hormone, you know, hormonal system. Um, every woman is on a 28 day cycle even i know you know for ladies who are you know uh can menopause love menopause there you go post menopause. Menopause musical. 
Um, <laughs> you still are on a 28 day cycle, even though, you know, you're not actively ovulating at the moment. So in different times of the months, my blood sugar will be different and my, they call it insulin resistance. So sometimes of the month, say I'll eat a sandwich and do a certain amount of insulin that I think would be fine. And then other times of the month, I'd eat that same sandwich, do the, you know, do the same amount of insulin and my blood sugars would be really low or really high. So how much insulin you need to do for how much you eat can change throughout the months as well. And I find that's quite closely linked to my period. I find in the, <clears throat> in the PMSing phase, you know, the pre premenstrual phase, um, I'm really, my blood sugar is a lot lower. I run very low on my blood sugars. Um, my insulin resistance is really high. So um, really, really, really low, sorry. So I don't have to do as much insulin. So again, with the same sandwich, I'll do maybe just two units of insulin and still be running quite low. Then I find actually in my, in my, um, in my menstrual phase, in the actual period, you know, leading phase, I find my blood sugar is actually quite well controlled. It's actually probably the, the only time of the month. They will say that time of the month, but for me, diabetes wise, it's pretty great. <laughs> um, everything kind of works out normally, you know, that I'm not having to do too much insulin or too little insulin. It's, you know, quite a, quite a controlled line. Um, when it gets to then afterwards in my like luteal phase, um, where, you know, the body's building up and preparing itself for another, you know, menstruation period. Um, I find my blood sugar is really high. So it's all about changing. And again, I don't know, again, the exact reasons as to why this happens. Obviously, everyone's different. I've spoken to other women who have diabetes and sometimes their blood sugars will be super high when they're menstruating and then lower, um, say, when they're in their luteal phase or that kind of stuff. I know we've, we've spoken to Emma quite a lot about it, the mm -hmm. nutritionist and not necessarily about diabetes, but mm. about insulin in menopause. So it is insulin in, in someone without diabetes is hugely affected yeah. by, our, by our periods. So it's, and I, I know when I have a period, I'm much more craving kind of sugary things. So there's definitely something yeah. in there, yeah. isn't there? That there's your definitely body's something wanting. your body's needing or, or wanting, um, something to do with the, with the insulin. Sorry, I just quite like to add on to that with the whole um, talking, it's you know, obviously not widely advocated by doctors. And I think it's because medicine is a male profession. The, all the, you know, when you say, oh, there's been a study of this, of this vaccine against this population, the study will all, all be men, or the kind of how our bodies affected by certain drugs and certain things so it's because they were all tested on by men. Even, you know, the effects on women haven't been, you know, haven't been pushed for yet. And I think that's something that's, you know, Maybe again, you probably know this as well. Again, for menopause, it's something that's not talked about or not kind of talked about by your doctors, but it can be a really difficult time. Same with kind of, again, menstruation in younger women and diabetes. It's something, a conversation that needs to be had. But again, because of, you know, sexism and the, <clears throat> and the male field of medicine, again, kind of, mm. it's, it's getting left out. And I think it's something that needs to be advocated for, definitely. I, I agree, Days. And when you think <clears throat> the year that you were even diagnosed, it wasn't, it was only kind of 10 years, maybe 15 years, no, probably about 10 years previously, that women were um, actually able to be in the surveys, in the research, because we were all seen yeah. as an anomaly, weren't we? And we well, because of our hormones. I mean, we should be included 
because of our hormones we were excluded because, because of, of our, our hormones, hormones which is just mm. mad but I think that yeah that is is very That's important to look into a lot, a lot of women are you know not you know receiving the correct medica medication again some people with diabetes have a lot of pain issues I'm like so luckily someone that doesn't have that um again that you know a lot of women their pain isn't you know <clears throat> it's not um not believed a lot of the time again similar was you know diabetes puts you at risk of um you know heavier periods and stuff that kind of pain is not is not talked about either so I think you know it's thing conversations that need to be had well, yeah and we were stage. talking to um Lynn weren't mm -hmm. we a couple of weeks ago about long covid and periods and and um uh you know hormones and how it affects so it, it affects every single mm -hmm. thing that we do and unfortunately it's only in about 1996 as we said before, that we we're included in the research. So we're very, we're hundreds of years behind days, aren't we? But, <laughs> yeah. but hopefully, hopefully, you know, things are taking a, a, you know, going in the right direction. Um, do you think, days that things could be done, more things could be done for people with diabetes? I mean, we were talking about, you know, periods and hormones, but do, what, what else do you think could be done? So something that I've, you know, is my is an interest of mine. Um, <laughs> when saying interest, it's something that really um, I think it would affect anyone that when that situation is diabetes related poverty or poverty and diabetes. It's something that you know I've read a lot about, and it's something that I'm really, you know, advocating for. I think you know it's something moving forward. There is a lot of diabetes poverty, and there's a lot of issues surrounding that. So I've written some notes so I don't forget people's names. So I'm going to be looking down for a little bit. Um, again, diabetes poverty in the UK and in you know, developing countries is, is a big issue. Um, obviously, in more developing countries, there's not the access, say, to, to a fridge. Say, for example, insulin needs to be kept cold, else it becomes defective after <clears throat> a certain period of time. There's no access to that. Again, just healthcare in general in a few developing countries is not great. So that kind of leads to more issues. Um, there's also the, the, the lack of education that comes you know, related to poverty. Um, India is actually the most diabetic country in the world. So that's type one and type two. Um, again, through genetics. And again, they don't know why and how it happens. But a lot of, um, I read a very interesting report about a lot of people in India are actually dying because they stopped taking their insulin as they believe, you know, herbal cures. And, you know, if you drink this tea it can you know cure you of your diabetes and obviously it's leading to serious complications and even in some really sad cases some death this is not just you know we kind of think it's the same thing with all poverty whenever you look at it you think of it as a something that doesn't happen in the UK we know there's poverty here but we don't like to think about it and we don't want to think it's you know it's in our it's in, you know it's next door basically you don't want to think about it but in um in England, Professor Helen Coulhon uh, did a long, a long study over 10 years, 12 years, sorry, between 2004 and 2006, um, studying and just kind of testing out differences um, between um, in diabetes control in between different ages, different genders and different kind of social classes. Um, and this was in Scotland as well. Um, and she found actually the most deprived areas of Scotland that she conducted her research in. They had higher bl blood sugars, um, um, massively higher blood sugars than those on least deprived areas. So every three months I'll do something called a HbA1c test. And it's kind of a, an overviewing look of how your diabetes control has been within, you know, within those three months. 
and the HbA1c <clears throat> was 7.7 millimoles higher in these deprived areas than you know people of the same gender and age um, in other you know in better better areas. That's quite significant, Massively. isn't it? It's significant, and again, yeah, that's down to again lack of education and just not being able to say afford right food, right technology. Like I said, in a very you know blessed situation that we are able to for constant glucose monitoring because it's something that doesn't actually it's not actually free well on the nhs the um, new legislation has actually come into place and i think it was from um, helen's study that this new legislation has been put into place that every diabetic in the uk will now be offered a constant glucose monitoring device similar to my dexcom as of i think march 2022 yeah. so from from that study, it showed that there, there's a direct link between poverty and poorer health, and, and you know, worse people eating worse off food because they can't afford it, and everything in that situation. <clears throat> and I always found something that was really didn't make sense to me. I don't know if it's just you know, because I because <laughs> I don't know about it, but they do offer um, like an insulin pump so that you know you don't have to inject it. You know, the insulin will you know be put into your system for you. Um, only to those who have good diabetes control and who are really good at being diabetics, kind of like as I go, oh, well done, here you go. When here's them, your prize. <laughs> here's your prize for being a good diabetic when there's so many issues and reasons why you can't be a good diabetic and not offering it to people who are really struggling. Didn't, never made sense to me. It never made sense that just because I'm finding it really hard to say, test my blood sugars. Why am I not being offered this kind of thing? So I think constant glucose monitoring, again, for those deprived areas, they're not going to do that, you know, a postcode lottery, how they do with a lot of things mm. and how the government do with a lot of things, you know, oh, this, this town can have this, but, you know, this town is going to get neglected. Every single diabetic in the UK will be offered constant glucose monitoring. So I think it will, that will really, really help. Massively. I know the arguments I used to have, because Daisy, obviously mental health comes mm -hmm. into play hugely. Um, and obviously the issues that Daisy had about testing her blood sugars, but the only way we could actually help Daisy control and, and get some of her life back was to actually self-fund the Dexcom, which is 160 pounds a month that we, we fund for her. So why that technology is not available on the NHS just completely well it blows all our minds really doesn't it days and i think sorry everyone just going through my notes also. um again going back to the diabetes poverty with education there was a story from last year actually 2020 during <coughs> the lockdown a 11 year old boy um actually was found dead um in his own bed by his own mother because he had undiagnosed diabetes again similar to <clears throat> how i was you know the 40s they're tired, thirsty, thinner, it wasn't recognized in this young boy. And he unfortunately passed away at the age of 11 from diabetes, just around, you know, education not being there. Mm. Um, I think lockdown's been, for me personally, my lockdown journey has been <laughs> a positive one for diabetes, but a lot of people not being able to work. Um, it makes life a lot harder. It, obviously, the furlough scheme here was very good, but for, you know, certain people, they still weren't getting enough again education weren't getting in uh, you know enough money in there's been a lot of cases of diabetics dying in the UK because of poverty 
because they can't either keep their fridge on. I think it's a story that really, again, it hits me quite deeply and really kind of <laughs> not hurts my feelings, but it makes me really upset. It's the story of uh, David Clapson. He was 59 years old, so he wasn't a young person, but he was a, um, a diabetic. He was a type two diabetic, not type one, but the same thing, you know, same thing stood. He had to um, inject insulin and he had to keep it in his fridge. He got this later on in life. He was a soldier for um, most of his life. And obviously then when he, um, his mum was elderly and sick, he quit his job, quit the army to go and look after his mum. Understandably so, you anyone would in that situation. But from that, he um, was only receiving job seekers allowance. So at that point, that was only 71 pounds and 70 pence a week from job seekers allowance. Um, he <clears throat> did not receive DLA, so disability living allowance because diabetics are now, um, there's such an anti-benefits culture, I think in the UK, um, everything is getting cut, funny is getting cut from everything, but um, especially from the DLA, I, I received it before and then it stopped because we are deemed um, not disabled enough. If you can say dress yourself and get out of bed, you're deemed not disabled enough to get disability living allowance, which again in any kind of sickness is mm. not, you know, detrimental um but going back to David Clapson he was only receiving his job seekers allowance and he couldn't afford to keep his electricity on in his own home because obviously he didn't he was only receiving 71 pounds a week and um, there were um unfortunately he passed away at the age of 59 from not being able to just keep his fridge on to keep his insulin cold he um had no food in his cupboard I think they found uh, two tins of gone off soup all he could afford and they found a pile of CVs next to his body. He obviously trying to find a job, something that he quit to look after his elderly mum. He only had, well, I'm looking at my notes, sorry. He only had uh, £3.44 in his bank account when he died. Shocking, it is shocking. And that's, wow. in, that's in the UK, that's someone who used to be in the military, someone who, you know, has done a lot, you know, worked all his life, just looking after his mother, you know, didn't have the money and passed away. Yeah, when you think about it, you know, not not in your not in your backyard, you always think, but yeah, it's something. It is in our backyard, isn't it? It is. It probably about a year ago during lockdown, that for the first time, when you think back in history, if mm. you were overweight, I'm just putting together being overweight sometimes goes with diabetes type two. To be overweight, few you, you know, years ago, Henry VIII's time was a sign oh. of rich. It was a sign of wealth. wealth. It was because you you know you can afford to have the sugar and have bad teeth. You can afford to eat all this stuff mm. and be overweight. Last year or maybe the year before was the first time in history that being overweight was a sign of poverty. Yeah because you walk in a supermarket what are the things on offer two for three for two pizzas um you know all all, all sort of crisps. you know crisps all the crap Processed basically food. is cheap yeah. yeah and if you're trying to feed a family of four and you've got like five pounds to do it and you can get four pizzas for a fiver you're gonna do but it. yet a load of strawberries and some nice vegetables are yeah. going to cost you double that what what could what can you do and there's something very very wrong Completely, there isn't it really really wrong and that's, that's i mean to the nhs and that aspect is again type 2 diabetes is usually insulin resistance so your body's still producing insulin but you're resistant to it because again through bad diet and i think again the nhs is crumbling already in front of our very eyes as we speak um sorting out the health crisis but not doing it in the way the government are and the kind of fat shaming you shouldn't be eating that make solutions to that problem make 
again, a healthy diet more available makes that, um, you know, the information in schools, you know, teach people up and then the problems will stop. But, yeah. And I think the one the one blessing we do have, Daisy, that we are grateful for is the NHS, your free prescriptions for your insulin. Yes. Whereas in other parts of the world, and especially in America at the moment, I mean, insulin there's, is so, so high, isn't it? There's stories of, there's countless stories of people in America. Um, I read a very interesting story. I can't remember the young man's name, but he also passed away from not being able to just afford his insulin. That's in America, you know, the greatest country in the world. He couldn't afford his insulin. His mum had to watch him die. Do you find um, any groups sort of helpful, like on social media or these sort of things? Are the groups, do you, do you, do, do people kind of, I know with menopause, a lot of people have found mm. that very helpful. Have, have you ever turned to those, Daisy, or do you find information quite easy to, to get from those groups? Um, yeah, so a lot of um, similar, you know, with a lot of people on Instagram, there's a lot of um, people posting on Instagram about their diabetes and their diabetes journey. And I follow a lot of these people. And it's just interesting to see again, when you know, they have bad days, you know, it's, in it's nice to see other people have bad days with their diabetes and times when they just giving up with it kind of, you know, just turning off all their, you know, my phone alarms when my blood sugar is too high, just turning off all your alarms in that case. It's nice to see other people doing it. And it's kind of, it's the support of, you know, talking to people in those comment sections and, you know, learning what they're doing and about, you know, what they're finding is working. And it's just, again, just nice to see people. I'm the only person I know with type one diabetes. I only know in my year at school, there was obviously we went to a big school. There was 400 or so people in each year. There was only me and one other person who was diabetic at my school. So that, again it felt quite isolating in that circumstance so it's nice to kind of go online and see these see these groups and see people talking about their struggles that they're having and kind of group together which I know you guys must find you know interesting as well with the menopause and everything yeah it's a That's huge what podcast thing. is doing as well yeah exactly yeah. you know it's, it's all about like you said before it's about awareness and education isn't it you know um and that's hugely important and support I think mm -hmm. as you yes. say you don't know anyone around you especially with lockdown and you can't you couldn't see anybody and anybody could you know but just getting that support online can be I huge. Think it was it was in it was actually in the lockdown when I first started finding these people online and I think it was really good to just kind of see just see when people people struggle as well no one's perfect you know you can have you know all this stuff and it's not gonna gonna change and you know how I follow women who are younger than me. I follow women who are older than me, you know, um, about what they're going through. I followed someone who was pregnant and had type one diabetes. Cause again, obviously the hormones are again, completely, <laughs> completely different story. Again, there's a, there's a large risk again of, of death and pregnancy of type one diabetics and, you know, miscarriage just because again, the, you know, the hormones and all those kind of issues. So it's interesting to see, you know, people talking about that, you know, following someone through who has you know kind of a normal life so and it's usually you've got you don't realize you know quite often when you have a condition of anything but you because you've had it for so long days you've you've got incredible amount of knowledge about it from personal yeah. experience and from stuff that you've read and you've so mm. it it's lovely to be able to share that information mm. as well as gain from other people you know it's nice for you to be able to share what you know and and you don't know one thing you might write a comment yeah just a little comment exactly. and you think oh, yeah that's yeah. obvious but it's not always obvious no. is it you haven't always known this stuff you've had yeah. to 
gain Again, that information. The stuff of the, um, you know, changing of your diabetes and, you know, in your 28 day cycle. Again, that's things that I've found out through myself and through other people and then those kind of groups. So um, I think something, again, it's something that doesn't, it doesn't not concern me, it's something that doesn't affect me, but there's again, the mental health um, struggles with diabetes are really um, like a lot of mental health services, extremely underfunded, but there are direct links between, um, there was a research study, I haven't quoted it, so I don't know the exact numbers, but there is a large correlation between type one diabetes and poorer mental health. So again, you know, the mental exhaustion, you know, <clears throat> just you know changing your life all that kind of stuff affects people, people with diabetes and so I know definitely from when I was a teenager I was struggling a lot mentally and a lot of it was directly linked to diabetes and it wasn't until I was 21 living in Bristol and um, found a new therapist that was you know talking about diabetes related issues and you know depression and anxiety it helped me out massively but again that was not something that was offered to me at that point, you know, when I was a teenager. Mm. Um, there's also um, and lots of eating disorders around diabetes. Again, um, there's something called diabulimia, something I've never suffered from, but it's where um, people will purposefully not do insulin to get themselves into the state of ketoacidosis um, to lose weight. So again, it goes, yeah, it goes in like not doing insulin, not eating. Um, it's something that again is, you know, it does have a very high fatality rate and it's something again that's only just I think in the last five years being talked about I think the first you know big thing was when BBC3 did a documentary back um, back in like 2017 about it um, but before then it wasn't talked about. Mm. Oh, None no, of it enough. Like, and, and of course mental health at the moment mm. is in crisis like everything else yeah. um, and again that's you know poverty, talking about poverty again it's it's for, uh, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford a therapist or a counselor, otherwise you might have to wait at the moment. I think oh, the, the waiting list is, is up, yeah, 12 months or more. Yes. Um, so and you've got that on top and trying to look after your insulin and your blood levels, your sugar levels rather, when your mental health isn't there. Mm, I can't imagine the, yeah. the, the problem that that would cause. Yes, yeah, the, the mental fatigue from everything is just, it's incredible. It's because it's got to be your priority. So when, yeah. when, when, when Lou and I wake up in the morning, you know, priority for me is a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or, you know, and you've, you've got what you've got to do in that day. But I think for anyone uh, with diabetes, um, well, with either type one or type two, it's, it's obviously, mm -hmm. obviously it wakes you up. It's obviously the first thing. You, it's your priority, isn't it? Get first that right and you can feel yeah. good your day. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the first thing I think about and it's always new issues coming up you can never one day is never the same with diabetes you know certain issues will come up for certain reasons and different things will happen and you can't plan out your days and things will go wrong and you so you can't be I'm always known for never making plans and very last minute kind of person but I think that's just from having diabetes you know sometimes plans will change say I'll be getting ready to go out or you know I'll plan to go out for dinner that day and then say I'll have really high blood sugar and I'll feel sick or I won't want to go. And so then our plans will have to change. So it's um, it's quite difficult to think about really. Yeah. 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 So you can never forget about spontaneous. it. Spontaneous, can can't yeah. be spontaneous. No, no, no. All right, well, thank you very much, Daisy. Thank you, Daisy. So we'll yeah. see you soon, Daisy. 
Well, that was pretty amazing, wasn't it? I learned loads there. You probably knew a lot of that, Lou. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, But I've just got... So I listening to that and listening to to Daisy, you must be so proud of her. Oh, immensely proud. That's one of the things I did when when you left. I said, I'm so proud of you because she's she's turned it around and it could have been such a different story from the road she was travelling on. Yeah. Um, had some and very dark, very yeah. difficult times. And dark you times, and Daisy. yeah. Um, yeah. And she's turned it around and she's yeah. found, you know, she loves herself and she's she's on top of it. Yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. what, all you can ask for, really. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, she's just turned out to be an amazing young woman, hasn't she? And, and she's, she's a, a bit like us in that she's out there in her own way, but she's out there uh, sort of trying to champion, yeah, I've got this, um, but... Other people need to have the, like the what's it called the desk the dex, dex calm, dex calm. And you know there's a libra that goes she's on your so arm. She's so wary about other yeah. people that haven't yeah. got as much as as she's got, and she's forever championing other people, which is, is must make yeah. me really proud. Yeah, Very she's, proud she's indeed. Lovely. Um, but I just wanted to know how it felt um, hearing her kind of talk sort of openly because sometimes we don't ask those questions to our daughters do we, we don't no. just sit opposite them no, and have that conversation no, even if we do they might go oh mum shut up yeah it doesn't matter but, but yeah <laughs> did, how, did, how did it feel was it, it felt it felt good and I think from where like you say Daisy has been and we have had some very very dark times yeah. like in ICU and that there's been an awful lot of mental there's been mental health issues as well and, and I think you know, there, there's some. She's rising, and then there's sunshine yeah. again. Yeah. And so, I did know. I think all the things she was saying as a mum, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's lovely for her to go. Yeah. Hear it, and you go. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because they've got to find it out themselves. Yeah, they We're all have. learning, aren't we? And we. And no matter how much we go as a mum, you want to make. And I'm a fixer. I love to make things yeah. better. That's that's what I do. I just yeah. throw myself at it. Throw money at it. I'll just throw. It every ounce of me at it you would do for your children and you would do but Mm. then it doesn't matter because they've still got to learn it themselves yeah yeah so yeah so she's all good and she is an amazing young woman i have two amazing young women yeah 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 very blessed yeah they are absolutely absolutely fantastic so i just wanted to because we were talking about diabetes and obviously daisy's got type one diabetes um but um type two diabetes (laughs) and menopause so there's a lot of some women will go into menopause already with type 2 diabetes but some women can develop it during Mm -hmm. menopause because as you know as emma said in one of our podcasts our hormones affect our insulin levels as daisy said insulin's a hormone isn't it yes it is so our hormones going up and down affect our our um insulin levels which can have this knock-on effect we can also tend to put on weight which messes with our insulin Mm -hmm. levels and can cause diabetes to uh, type 2 diabetes but type 2 diabetes is um what's the word when you can reversible reversible that's the word i was gonna say rewind she was going backwards i was going backwards um so how can menopause affect the way insulin works in our bodies um which so it's a really important issue um especially maybe for you lou that likes your sugar because it's not always weight it's not always (laughs) people are overweight that you can get it so it can be a bit problematic um so estrogen and progesterone um, have an effect, as we've said, on insulin. Um, insulin is the hormone, as Daisy said, producing the pancreas, which helps your body use glucose for the energy it needs and then stores the remainder. Um, so estrogen really helps um, to optimise your, your insulin. 
So we haven't got any. We when we're not, you know, when you when you're very low on um, estrogen, this is um, you might you have increased insulin sensitivity. Um, so reduced ins reduced estrogen levels can lead to insulin resistance. Um, so well, I don't know the science of it, and I'm not a medical person. And Daisy would probably know more than me. But she talked about how hormones affect yes. hers monthly. So you can imagine what effect it has in menopause. Um, so things like weight gain can affect your insulin. Sleep issues affect wow. your insulin. So if you don't sleep very well, this has a huge effect on your insulin levels. Um, there's also now blood sugar and insulin levels is linked with Alzheimer's. Wow. And that's quite scary, yeah. isn't it? Um, uh, <clears throat> is, this is type 2 diabetes. So, so, um, so how can we manage our blood sugar after menopause? I mean, you can look all this up. There's loads of, loads of stuff. But obviously, diet and weight mm -hmm. is one thing. We know all this in menopause yeah. anyway, don't we? Um, but remember moderation. So, and also remember, we, we generally need less calories in menopause. Even if you're doing exactly the same things, just cut the calories a little bit. Um, Mediterranean diet, as we covered in October, I think. I that think was, that was October, yeah. yeah. Exercise, it's important to stay active. Even if you don't feel like it, do something just for, you know, even just walking. Walking's great, couple, you know, half an hour a day. Hydration, hugely important, particularly for women. Um, controlling stress. So controlling stress is really important. Um to do with our insulin um, because it, the, the cortisol again a hormone this affects the cortisol level really mm. affects your insulin so keeping your stress levels low cinnamon it's really good is it yes, really yeah um, adding cinnamon to your foods is an easy way to reduce blood sugar Cinnamon wow. both slows the breakdown of carbs and increases insulin sensitivity. Um, so you don't want too much, obviously, um, but you, you you could add a little bit of cinnamon into your um, breakfast, maybe, yeah, or, yeah, or, yeah. you know, and into your gingerbread. Yes. Um, and address, obviously, hormonal imbalances. So yeah. maybe, you know, if you go on HRT, that's going to kind of help. That's going to massively um, help. But it, it, I think, again, like, we've all, like we always try and do is just raise a bit of awareness because yeah. a lot of people might not be aware i actually asked my practice they were taking a blood test for um, thyroid and i said can you do a diabetes um test and she said no not without asking the doctor and you'll have to fill in a form i said mm -hmm. she said what what do you want i said well just i mean i'm always thirsty but yeah. you know but just because i'm perimenopause and I'd like to know what my insulin levels do do whether I need to cut back or whether no you'd have to see the doctor and fill out and I just thought this is it's it's ridiculous crazy, they're taking it? blood they're taking blood anyway yeah so so it's not always that easy but if you are concerned your doctor yeah. should listen to you if you've got any um concerns and like Daisy said the four t's I think she just said yeah she so um so there we are So WI, Lou. Oh, I'm looking forward to I don't know yeah. if I am looking forward to this, No, I actually. think you will. I think will you'll I? like this. Yeah, it's sort of going along the same lines as our last one to do with kindness. Mm -hmm. um, I listen to, and I really wholeheartedly recommend anybody listens to um, uh, Dr. Chatterjee's uh, podcast with Mel Robbins. It's two hours long, just over two I hours long. I like Mel long. Robbins. Oh, my God, Lou. So you might know about this already. I haven't I, listened I to didn't. it. Okay, well, I didn't, but... 
the 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 whole podcast is brilliant they cover so many things um i might even put a link to it on our thing um but this i thought would be a great challenge for our weekly invitation and it might help some people and it might make a difference so how do you feel lou in the morning what's the, f- what's the first thing you do go into the bathroom probably like most people how do you feel about yourself when you look in the mirror oh i hate it yeah don't have yeah yeah, I don't you like know, it. Avoid it sometimes. It, oh, yeah. Do, just kind of avoid looking in the mirror until yeah. you... <laughs> slap, the, slap the gel on. You have a shower. Yeah. Slap the gel on. Deodorant. Yeah. Face cream. Yeah. Then and, look in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. And you know how you were saying with your self-doubt early, earlier on, how in your mind, how did you talk to yourself then? I actually, I was actually quite good. Better than I thought I was going to be... I, I could feel that rising panic, that mm. sick panic, like, shit, I don't expect I have done it. And then I sort of took some breaths because, I, you know, you've been yeah. a very, you've been very good for me. <laughs> took some breaths and thought, no, you did do it. You know you did it. Yeah. Good. Where's it gone? What's happened to it? And then in the end, because I, I still couldn't find it after a little while, I thought, I'll just phone up the hotel. I mean, that's the most simplest thing to do. That's brilliant. Because, so I actually yeah. was solutionizing on yeah. my problem. You weren't making stories up, thinking, oh my I God, wasn't I didn't book that hotel, we won't be able to go now, we, yeah. we booked this a year ago. See, and my husband was doing that. But you weren't. Because I I knew, but then I always had that doubt, if that makes sense. It does, it does make complete sense. So, and how, when, you're another question before we go into no. it, if, apart from Hogo, um, <laughs> and we were, say, meeting for a coffee, and you hadn't seen me for a little while, um, and you were walking to, to the coffee shop, um, looking forward to seeing. How would you feel? Oh, so excited! Yeah. Okay. So imagine that feeling that about yourself. Yes. Excited. Imagine oh my that. God, that would be lovely, wouldn't, wouldn't it? it? Wouldn't it? Like in the mirror. Yes. <gasps> Getting out of bed and excited. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna meet myself this morning. I know that wow. sounds a bit out. No, I like bit, that. But how lovely would that be? How many people do you meet? I see it all the time in yoga. I've had so many conversations with some of my students when they came out, come out of practice and go, God, that was awful practice today. I couldn't, you know, my, I was I couldn't balance um, my hamstrings. I've got a pain here and I just couldn't do this. It, I was absolutely rubbish. And I, I said to one of my students um, one time, okay, would you say that about I won't say his name. Um, I'll say Alan. That wasn't his name. Would you go and tell Alan that about his practice? He said, no, I wouldn't dare. I said, well, why are you running your own practice and yourself down? You wouldn't dare say that to the person next to you. What are you doing? What, your balance is all over the your place, mate. crap. Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? You're shit. You can't even straighten your legs. You would not speak to anyone else no. like that. So why do we do it to ourselves? And this is a constant <clears throat> pattern and a constant habit we play over and over again. And it's shit and it's not good. And But... We know the things we need to do to get over. We're, we're all about the, the the what. We know we need self-care. We know we need to practice yoga, meditate, go for a walk in nature. We know we need to do all those things. It's the how. The how do we get there and, you know, what makes us do that and what makes us like ourselves? Simple things. Now, she's got this, Mel Robbins has got this book out, but you you might want the book because the book sounds amazing and it's got all this research and scientific evidence as to why this works. So what... 
I would like you, Lou, to do, mm-hmm. and everybody else listening, whether you want to do it or not, just do it. Whether you think it's crazy or not, just do it. Okay. Okay. We like your crazy, Jude. You like my crazy. I've been doing it, and I, to be honest, I quite like myself anyway. I'm not, I've, I've learned, I've done a lot of work on myself, and I don't go down that road anymore. I've done that for years and years and years, and I don't go down that road. So, but I've done it, and honestly, it puts a smile on my face as soon as I wake up. So, what I'd like you to do, actually, before we do it again, if I went to do this to you, Lou, how's that make you feel? Ah, high five! Yeah, high five! You only high five people for for good reasons, don't you? Well done! What does it it mean? It's a well done. It's a that's brilliant. It's a clap on the back, isn't it? It is. Good job. So, I would like you all to high five yourself in the mirror every morning for five days on the mirror. Oh, on the mirror. On the mirror. Look at yourself, high five yourself on the mirror. Okay. And look at yourself. Doesn't matter what you feel, even if you think, oh, sorry, I nearly picked my nose then. I didn't. <laughs> she I did. I scratch my nose. <laughs> it nearly went up Finger my nose. here then. <laughs> um, just that doing it, honestly. Okay, it cool. Is, I, I, even if you're really resistant to do it, just do it. High it, five it doesn't matter what's going on in the brain behind it thinking I'm an idiot I'm an idiot what the hell am I doing this for it still works okay because the brain work if you high five somebody the brain's going she's done well he's done well yeah, they've it's done a natural well. reaction it's a natural thing because whenever we see a high five it's always somebody that's done something great in sport they've scored a goal they've done something they've done something brilliant so our brain puts it together with greatness with a good thing and so after five days, just, you know... High-fiving high, the mirror. High-fiving the mirror and do that every... I say five days because it might take that while to get into a habit and you might forget. So do that at least and then I bet you, I bet you, you'll, you'll carry on. Um, Mel Robbins said she did this and, you know, it's, it's even though she was kind of in a you know, fairly good place, she's always been crippled with anxiety so she still used to get that. And she, you know, she's not perfect, she says, by any means, but she finds this you know, better than anything, uh, better than her five second rule that she does. That's another thing. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to find a bit of, so it's practicicing the high five habit. Um, that's your challenge. Lovely. I'm not going to crack that down. anymore. If you want to know more, she's written a book about it, put it on your Christmas list. It's got all the evidence, the scientific research behind it. Perfect. High five. Yeah. Give it a go. Will do. Oh, so what a great week again, Lou. Another lovely week. Yeah. Was, wasn't it? I learned so much there. And we're coming up to Christmas. It's I know. It's getting exciting, and Busy, busy. But I'm going to have to go off and high five myself in a minute. Yeah. Every morning. Every morning. Yeah. Good for you. I will do that. Yeah. So we hope your tea's not gone cold and that you'll join us next Sunday for The Collective. We would love you to review and subscribe to our podcast. Please head over to our Instagram page, Womankind Collective to leave comments or DM us with your thoughts and you'll find all the links and the chat from the podcast here on the podcast show notes. Sorry, I've still got... You've still got gingerbread, gingerbread in, in my mouth. mouth. I'm going to go and make another cuppa, finish my gingerbread while you go and high-five yourself, Lou. Hey! hey. <laughs> Have a good week. Bye!